Welcome back into another off-season show of Rounding Third Baseball Podcast. I'm Nick. We have Harrison tonight. How are we doing, buddy? Good. How are we doing, Nick? Not too bad. Not too bad. So a little bit of free agent stuff uh, to get into, so we'll get into that first. Um, but make sure that you follow and like us on Facebook. You can also subscribe on YouTube. You can also listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So leading off today, we wake up and the MLB releases that Sonny Gray is finalizing a deal with the Cardinals, comes out later in the, in the morning that he does indeed sign with the St. Louis Cardinals for three years, $75 million. So Sonny Gray to St. Louis um, kind of continues this slow free agent signings here. Um, it's another move the Cardinals make because they signed Kyle Gibson last week or early this week. Um, so two starters that they got. Um, you didn't really hear anything from any other teams about Sonny Gray. So this one was kind of just like sort of out of the blue. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, first of all, if anybody had Sonny Gray going to the Cardinals on their bingo sheet, you know, kudos to you because I don't think anybody saw the Cardinals no. being the front runner for Sonny Gray. Um, and I will say, as we talked about before going, we went live, I feel like I underestimated what the Cardinals would do this off season. Cause that is still a team that's got a lot of talent. It's a good team. They had kind of a weird, bad season, um, which statistically they should have been better than they were. And they're not that far away from being a, a, a contender again. So like I, them making a run makes sense. But if you're telling me that Sonny Gray could have been had for three years and 75 million. Why were there not 10 teams lined up to give him that contract? I get the fact Sonny Gray is 34. He's not a young guy. He kind of came into his prime a little bit late, but you're talking the Cy Young runner up yeah. signs for three years and 75 million with a team that just finished in dead last place. That seems like a, an amazing get and steal for the Cardinals, but B where the hell were the Braves, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Dodgers who need pitching where were they? If you can have this guy for 25 million bucks a year, why was there not a, not a line down the street to put that contract in front of him? So I think it's all because it all circles back to the big free agent Shohei Otani, right? I, I bet oh, yeah. the teams that think that they are in the running for Shohei and all reports out there is Shohei says, if you make the fact that I came and visited you public, I'm not going to sign with you like he said that is is making a lot of teams be hush hush about their offseason yep. plans. Um I think the Cardinals went in looking like hey, like we don't have a shot at Shohei Otani. No. So let's get these other pieces that can can make our team better. And like you said, like the Cardinals had a terrible season, abysmal. Yeah. Bad. But they're not that bad. They're no. not that bad of a roster. It was a no. fluke season for them. So to put Sonny Gray in this rotation, is Kyle Gibson tops the top of the line rotation guy? No, but he's a depth piece. You have Miles Mikolas still there. Hell, they could still be in the running to get Jordan Montgomery back. Like, you know, I mean, there's still pieces in that rotation the Cardinals can can fix and bring in to make that team a contender again, go from last to first. And and possibly that's what could, we could see in 2024. Well, and, and what I will say that's interesting about Sonny Gray, um, an article came out about an hour ago on MLB.com 
where Sonny Gray comes out and says, I want to be a Cardinal. A, a year ago, I decided I want to be a Cardinal um, because I love the fan base. I love, I love pitching there. I love being there. Now, have you ever been to St. Louis, Nick? I have not. It's on my, it's on Good. my list. Too. Don't go. St. Louis as a city is an absolute dumpster fire. I'd rather go to Chicago than go to St. Louis. St. Louis is in, when it comes to safety, you know, crime, drugs, like they are, it's the worst. It's the worst of the worst. All right. But well. that is a, that is a fan base. That's like no other. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things. Like a lot of people go to New York because it's New York. And how cool is it? Nobody goes to St. Louis for St. Louis. They go to St. Louis for the tradition and the history. Um, right. And Sonny Gray decided a year ago that his, and apparently nobody else knew this, but Sonny Gray, that his targeted place to land was St. Louis. He wanted to be a Cardinal. So it makes sense now why he ended up there. When in reality, we all thought he's going to go to somewhere else because for him, this was a destination. This is a place that he always dreamt of pitching. And now he goes there, uh, which yeah. I, you know, kudos to the Cardinals. You know, I, when you think about when you can actually like attract a player to your organization, yeah, you know, in that case, you probably got him cheaper than you had than you would have had to pay because he wanted to be there. That's huge. But yeah. I nobody nobody saw Sonny Gray to the Cardinals except for Sonny Gray, who apparently was planning to go there all along. Right. I mean, I guess there's always, you know, those teams that players always want to seek out. Right. I mean, Cardinals have a rich history of do. baseball. It's a great baseball know? town. Yeah. And I mean, like, if I ever had a shot at the major leagues, like my dream team, obviously would be the Red Sox. Would I be happy to be rostered by the other 29 teams? Absolutely. Except for the athletics. I'd rather not play. Or the Yankees. But, <laughs> you know, but like that's maybe just his dream spot. Maybe that's yeah. where the one team he wanted to pitch for before his career was over. So And good for him. You know, that yep. that certainly is a piece of information that, that makes the outlook on free agency a lot different when you know that's the place he was targeting a year ago. Yeah. Um, and also, it also shows the fact that or also shows why he didn't even engage the twins in a conversation about resigning. He was, he was leaving period. Yeah, absolutely. So it was just interesting. Like you said, $25 million a year for three years. I mean, if I was the Red Sox, I would have jumped on that and maybe even slightly overpaid. I mean, your rotation yeah. is in shambles other than Brian Bayo. You don't well, and, know who else you, you have on opening day. Yeah, you don't. And, you know, Aaron Nola, seven years, 172, call it 175 using round numbers. That's 25 million bucks a year. But you had yeah. to give the guy a seven year commitment. Um, yeah. Three years and 75 for Sonny Gray is a deal. Yeah. Uh, good for the Cardinals. Good for Sonny Gray, since that's where he wanted to go. That's a big piece for the Cardinals to add. They need pitching. They they had they struggled last year yeah. getting consistent starting pitching. I don't think they're done either. They can't. I mean, if, if you've done this, no way you're going to keep going. It, it wouldn't surprise me if they try to make a run at Jack Flaherty again, like maybe bring him back, yeah. you know, like, I mean, oh, they dealt him at the deadline, but Hey, whatever, get another depth piece for that rotation. Who knows? And like I said, Jordan Montgomery is still on the board. He is. And it wouldn't surprise me if he goes there and is the ace of that staff at some point. Yeah. But. I, I would have thought a guy like Montgomery would have signed quick. Cause I, I would have thought he was going to go back to Texas. Yeah. The longer this drags on, the less I think he's going back. And the more I think he really is going to explore his options out there because he did, he's going to get paid. He pitched, he, he, he has had two straight seasons where he's been, you know, at that kind of, you know, maybe lower end of elite level. He's been in the top tier of pitchers. Yeah. He's going to get paid. The boy's going to get paid. Yeah. He's consistent. If anything else, yep. he's consistent. Yeah, yep. Absolutely. Um, other news that happened this week, the Tigers, Detroit Tigers come out and signed Kenta Maeda to a two-year deal. 
Um, $24 million. I mean, does Kenta Maeda move the needle? No. But <laughs> no. I, I forgot the Tigers could actually make free agent deals just to, to put that out there. But, well, I that, mean. That was my initial reaction. Who who, who saw the Tigers signing anybody this offseason? Yeah. I mean, so that tells me that they know Erod's definitely not coming back to the Tigers. He's going somewhere else. Um, yeah, and, and from, what I, from what I've read, I can't remember where it was. Might have been Bleacher Report somewhere that Erod, when he left, basically said, "Don't, don't call me. I'm not going to entertain coming back." Yeah, he so did they not knew like that. it in Detroit. Yeah, so they knew they had a hole. They plugged it with Maeda, twelve million dollars a year. Thanks. That's, I mean, that's a bargain too. So. But at the same Whatever. time, like if a guy like Kenta Maeda is getting twelve million bucks a year and Sonny Gray is getting twenty five, yeah. Sonny Gray is five times the pitcher Kenta Maeda is. For sure. I mean, Maeda in his prime, you know, going back a few years was good. He was a solid pitcher. Now he's just yeah. kind of like he's like a Lance Lynn. He's just a depth piece. Yeah. And he might be all right in that cavernous ballpark that he's gonna be pitching in. So I don't yeah, nobody I don't know how anybody gets a ball out of that ballpark. That's crazy. <laughs> they moved the fence into four oh nine in center. Oh, thanks. Ooh. Nice. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate it. Um, the big trade that happened was Suarez, the third baseman from the Mariners, goes to the Diamondbacks for pitcher Carlos Vargas and catcher Sebi Zavala. Um, so that nice. takes our free nice agency. Job with pronouncing the name. Yeah, Sebi Zavala. It's a, yeah, that's a tough a, one. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that takes away the third base market for the Diamondbacks, where we thought they could have possibly gone for Matt Chapman. Um, we thought that could have been a landing spot for him. But you got Suarez there at third base with his 25 homers and 225 strikeouts a year. Um, <laughs> the, the guy's but, numbers are hilarious. I mean. Yeah, but he's he's power that the Diamondbacks need in that lineup. Yeah, he's a thumper he, they desperately need. They need that. Yeah. And this yeah, is the guy absolutely. that hit 49 home runs in 2019 with the Reds. I mean, the guy, the guy's had what three, four seasons of 30 or more. One of them was 49. He's consistently good for 20 and 90. Um, yeah, he's gonna strike out a bunch. But if you run into 20 home, if you hit 20 something home runs and drive in 90 runs, strike out 200 times, does anybody care? No, no, especially not in that lineup where you got Carroll and Perdomo and all those on base guys, Alec Thomas. Yeah, they're just getting on, getting on. Yeah, and that team's gonna be right back at the top of the league next year as well. So yeah, they could um, a, a thumper like that that can occasionally run into a three-run home run would be big for them. They they desperately needed that kind of power threat in the World Series. That's for sure. Yeah, they missed Christian Walker. Christian Walker disappeared in that series, that the yeah. postseason really. But yeah, it was that. a tough run for him. It's still a hell of a run for the Diamondbacks, and I'll be watching them on day one like I was this year too. Yep. So. I mean, kind of a, a decent move. Didn't really see it coming. That kind of came out of left field. Um, I mean, not really out of left field. We knew they needed a third baseman, but we thought they would just shop for it. We didn't really expect them to trade for that piece. But yeah, I, I really whatever. thought I really thought that was going to be Chapman's spot. Yep. But I, I did too. So maybe they used that and they re-signed Guriel Jr. You know, they used that money that they were going to use in free agency to keep Gariel there so I don't yeah. know we'll see. and that's the beauty of how difficult it is to, pred to predict free agency is right. like that trade now may change the tra trajectory of two or three other players because right you know the the third base holes now filled that opens up a hole somewhere else you know it just it's chaos in, in the in the hot stove season when there's trades being made on top of it yeah absolutely um the Dodgers brought back Jason Hayward for a one-year nine million dollar flyer I mean Whatever. why not 
yeah, mean, he could not? be a defensive replacement at nine million bucks, and you're still doing you're still doing okay. That's he is the one player, and I've said this for years, who came up with the most hype and lived up to the least amount of it. Yeah, he is he he is a average. He came up as like he came up as as the guy. He was going to be the next big thing in baseball. He was that he was Trout before Trout. You know, he was Judge before Judge. And he's just consistently been an average ball player yeah. who plays great defense. Yeah. And I mean, from all indications, he's a fantastic clubhouse guy. Yes. So you're, you're super keep, respected. Yeah. So you're keeping him there to keep that clubhouse together. Um, but yeah, good for them. Yep. Like, I don't really care anything about the Dodgers, but it's semi newsworthy. So, well, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily care about the Dodgers and I don't think Jason Hayward moves the needle. I mean, here's a no. guy who's mm-hmm. been consistently, uh, a one or two war player his whole his whole career, he's gonna hit two fifty ish, two sixty ish, run into ten home runs, you know, and be a role player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, couple more Japanese pitchers uh, were posted today. Imanaga, he's a lefty. Um, he was posted, and I don't have the name of the other one, um, but two other Japanese pitchers coming over. Um, to the MLB this season, so it'll be interesting to see where they go. Um, but yeah, so Imanaga officially opposed to oh, and you, you Wasawa, you Wasawa, yes, thank you. Yeah, so no idea where they'll go. Don't even, yeah. I haven't heard anything about them. I say, so. I, I don't know either of those guys. I mean, obviously, we know Yamamoto because he's been the, the big deal in terms of players being posted. Um, I don't know these other two. I honestly, I don't think that it was well known they were going to be posted. So no, I I'm pretty sure Imanaga was on the WBC team. That's the only reason. Oh I, yeah, yeah, I the name sounds familiar. Name. Um, but yeah, the other one I had no clue. But whatever. So two more Japanese pitchers coming over, um, and we'll see where they end up. Um, and then to kind of finish off the rumor mill here, Dylan Cease. Trade talk has completely heated up. It seems like the Braves are the most interested at the moment. Uh, I'm sure there's tons of other teams calling the White Sox, seeing what it's going to take to get Dylan Cease on their team um, because I would take him in a heartbeat. Yep. Um, and I know the Braves would for sure. I mean, but, Dylan, C- Dylan Cease would be a great get. He did not, he did not have a good season last season. His, you know, all of his metrics were were down. His numbers were down. He was more hittable than ever. But I think a lot of that was it's hard to get excited to go pitch for a team that was a mess. Um, and you don't have a lot of confidence. Out, you're trying to be perfect. You don't have a lot of confidence. The guys are going to pick you up. There's a lot of things that go into that as a pitcher where you're where you change your approach based on how the guys are playing behind you. So I don't know if that was Dylan Cease so much as it was him trying to be, you know, kind of super fine, knowing that the team was not going to pick him up, but. Um, that that guy, when he is on, is one of the best guys in baseball. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's kind of the rumor mill. I'm sure it's going to really pick up this week and next week with the baseball winter meetings right around the corner. Um, we kind of knew it was going to be a slow-ish week with Thanksgiving yeah. and stuff. So, um, you know, we'll keep yeah. our winter meetings are next week. Is that right? <laughs> I believe so. So that's when stuff usually picks up. Yeah. 
waiting for that Otani shoe to drop here any moment. Yeah, and that 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 absolutely changes once that is done and known. That will completely change the landscape of free agency, and I think that's when you see a lot of activity pick up because now people know where he's going, and they've got to scramble to uh to fill the hole if they didn't get him. Yeah, it's and it's been quiet. No one knows. They don't have an inkling on where this guy's going to go. No, like it has kept so quiet. quiet. Yeah. So, which is what Otani wants, supposedly saying that, you know, if a team comes out and says something that he's going to take them out of the running, which is crazy. But um, yeah, Yeah. absolutely nuts. Another interesting rumor that came out an hour or two ago is that the Reds are apparently interested in trading for Tyler Glass. Now the Rays are shopping glass now openly looking for MLB ready players and starters ideally um that's another rumor that's gotten some steam here the last uh i would say probably 24 hours reds have a couple of young arms that they could ship back for tyler glass now but his name is appropriate glass the dude can't can't stay on the field he is a a poor man's jacob de grom yes like he is filthy absolutely unhittable when he is on the mound but he just can't get on the mound consistently. So no. And he's consistent. He consistently misses large chunks of time. It's not like he's gone for like a week or two. Like when he's out, it's, it's half a season. Like he's just, he is consistently out for long stretches of time. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think that's it on kind of the hot stove latest at this moment. Yeah. I I, I think that this week and next week are going to be quiet until the winter meetings kick off later next week, going into the week after. And that's when things will pick up because the winter meetings are, are when you see a lot of, of the, a lot of the structure of trades get worked out Yep. and you see, you see teams get home from the winter meetings. And then a flurry of activity happens. Trades get trades. They talked about get finalized, yep. you know, free agents get signed. The agents are working the rooms. Like it's, it, we're probably still a couple weeks away from seeing a pretty hef, hefty uh, amount of activity. Yep. But it will be wild once it starts flying. It's going to be crazy. So yeah, this is not going to be like the last couple of years where you've got like the big guy signing in February before spring training. Like yeah, it's yeah. going to be a busy December and January, I think. Yeah, and like you said, as soon as as soon as Otani signs, it's going to be a frenzy because everyone's going to just start filling in around it. So yep. yeah, you don't get him, you got to start making other moves quick. Yeah. All right, so as I mentioned last week, and if you've been keeping an eye on the page, we've been throwing out um, our current manager matchups, which has been kind of fun to see your take on it. We've had some pretty good votes on them. Um, So we're going to go right through the first round here and go over the results because we will do round two um, this week. And we're going to put out a bracket, an updated bracket, at some point this week of what that looks like. But... Our first matchup, we started in the AL. It was Bruce Bochy against Matt uh, Quattraro for the Royals, and Bochy wins unanimously, obviously. Um, same thing. Our next one was Scott Service and Stephen Vogt. Scott Sturv- Service beats him out there. Again, I will say, I will say, Stephen Vogt literally is, has not managed his first game yet. Right. But when you look at you look at guys around baseball that are highly respected and good baseball people, Stephen Vogt's one of them. I think he will yeah. be a good manager. Another catcher. He will be, I think he will be a good manager, but he literally just got hired. Right. And I, I think that's why he's there. But, yeah. and I think that, I think the Guardians is a great fit for him. It's a great yeah. organization. Young Frank team Kona, that love him. Yeah. Frank Kona put that team in a great position. 
Uh, he's going to go in and make a good impact right away. Yeah. Um, we had Kevin Cash against Mark Kotze. So, I mean, it's Kevin R. Cash. Mark Kotze. Yeah, I, sorry, Athletics. Well, and so. what stinks is that Mark Kotze may be a really good manager, but we'll never know until he leaves until he yeah. leaves Oakland or Vegas, wherever they are at the time. Yeah. This next matchup was really close. Um, it was tied for most of the week, and it just actually got broke today. So, oh wow! Um, it was Rocco Baldelli of the Twins against Alex Cora of the Red Sox, and the final vote was seven to six. Rocco Baldelli. Oh, come on, get out of here! Yeah, Alex Cora snuck Rocco, out. I'll take him. Rocco Baldelli all day, every day. Yeah, same. I'm the I'm pride over. of Woonsocket, Rhode Island, baby. And and I'm over Alex Cora. So I'm I've been over Alex Cora since he was banging on trash cans, but yeah. All right. So this is the matchup that we need help. So whoever's watching, whether you follow baseball or not, or you don't know these who these two guys are, we need you to break the tie. So just put it in the comment. Oh, man. Joe Espada of the Astros, eight votes. Aaron Boone of the Yankees, eight votes. So we need yeah, either Joe or Aaron. We need a tiebreaker. I voted for Joe because I said I cannot vote for anything, Aaron Boone. Um, but yeah, we need this one broken before we can move on, or we just make the executive decision ourselves, which means um, Boone loses. Yeah, exactly. So. I don't know which way to go there, so we will wait for a response and see what people say. Um, next matchup, we had A.J. Hinch of the Tigers. You know, we got the cheater against Pedro Grafal, the White Sox. And actually, A.J. Hinch wins this one in a landslide just because yeah, I mean, the White Sox are that terrible. Yeah, and Grafal, I mean, I think he was in way over his head last year. and Yeah. Uh, you know that team's a mess he's a new manager way over his head it, just, it was not good no absolutely not uh and then the last one to round out the al matchups was ron washington of the angels against john schneider of the blue jays and washington wins by a landslide so that's that's a tough one. I, I I voted for Ron Washington because I, I just think he's such a great baseball guy. He was not he was not a good manager the first time around in Texas. He just wasn't good. Yeah. Um, but I think that he's a great baseball guy who could be a good baseball manager. But again, he was in Texas. Kind of his things were getting better. He's going to Anaheim. They're a mess. I just I don't know. I I feel like this guy continues to kind of set himself up to to struggle. Yeah, I I was actually the sole vote for John Schneider. Um, And I picked John Schneider just because I don't think it's necessarily his fault that the Blue Jays are underperforming every year. I think think the hype behind the legacy players um, is too high. Like, I I love Vladimir Guerrero. I love Bo Bichette. But for whatever reason... That's all they got. They don't have really a solid rotation. I mean, they got a few decent pitching, but that but that's it. Like, I mean, you don't, there's nothing else flashy about that team. Um, but and then just kind of everything that you said about Ron Washington is like, I think I would still pick John Schneider there. 
Um, yeah, I mean, and, and you know, and Ron Washington, he took that Rangers team to the World Series, you know, in yeah. back in was it 2010 when they made it. Um, otherwise, it was really uneventful there, and that team was loaded. Yeah, but like he started out of the gate, like immediately had issues with star players. You know, he got he had the cocaine stuff in 2009. Um, that team after the after the World Series trip kind of fell off. It's one of those things where I think he's a great baseball guy, and I think that works for a little while, but over the long haul, it's hard to be a great baseball guy if you're not a really good manager of players. Right. And, I, and that he's so well-respected, but it doesn't necessarily mean yeah. you can lead 25 millionaires, you know, grown men uh, to a World Series. And I think it's it's especially important now in, in today's baseball climate. Listen, I'm not in the clubhouses. I don't really know exactly what goes on in the clubhouses, obviously, yeah. but it seems like today, more importantly than ever, you need a player's manager in the dugout. And if you don't, it's bad news bears. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's you look at a guy like Buck Showalter, and that might be part of why it didn't work out in New York. You know, Buck has been a hardline guy. That team needed some discipline. Maybe that was too much. Yeah. You know, gone are the days of of the tyrant managers, you know, the Lou Pinellas, and, and you know, you're going to do it my way. And, those guys are gone. You know, most of these yeah. managers that are succeeding now are much more people for much more people focused. You know, they understand the grind of a long season. They give these guys some breathing room. Um, and the game is the game's changed, you know, with with media coverage and social media coverage and all that other stuff. Like there's a lot of distractions going on around yeah. these guys. You got to be able to handle that. And these old school guys, I don't think get it. No. Um, all right. So that does it for the AL. Um, if you, didn't notice, I'll point it out. Brandon Hyde was not in this first round because, you know, there's 15 teams in each league. So I figured if you won the manager of the year, you get a first round buy. So yep. Brandon Hyde will be in the second round along with Skip Schumacher um, from the Marlins will also be in the second round on the NL side. So NL side matchup number one, Bob Melvin against Bud Black. Uh, we always forget that Bud Black manages because he's in Colorado. And he's been um, there forever. Yeah, forever. Um, but Bob Melvin wins that one and pretty handily. Um, this next one, um, the Battle of the Daves, Davey Martinez from the Nationals and Dave Roberts of the Dodgers. And honestly, this wasn't even close. Davey Martinez wins. So Dave Roberts is knocked out. Um, As he should be because he's a terrible I, manager. And I agree fully. I laugh. Bud Black, Bud Black has been the manager of the Rockies for six years, which feels like forever. Um, right. But I'm sure it does I, to him too. I'm sure it does for him too. Those have got to be like dog years out there. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I love Davey Martinez as, uh, as a manager. I think he does a great job with that Nationals team. They're young. Um, he's passionate. He'll go out and battle for his players. Crawl um, around in all fours. Exactly. Dave Roberts is a is a front office puppet. That's all he is. Yes. Um, moving on, this one was unanimous. Tori Lavello over Oliver Marmol in uh, St. Louis. And um, we don't know that Ollie Marmol is not a, is not a good manager, but it's really hard to go against the guy that just dragged that Diamondbacks team <laughs> to a world series. Yeah. But to kind of go back to the Ollie Marmol stuff is like that whole situation with Tyler O'Neill at the beginning of last year. So bad. The Cardinals were an absolute dump heap this year. Yeah. Would you have two, arguably two of, the best hitters in the National League on your team in the corners of your infield with Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. Um, 
and you have other pieces in that lineup, that team should not have been where they were. They completely underperformed. And that could have been the tone that he set with Tyler O'Neill at the beginning of the season. Cause they just tailspun after that. It was ugly. Well, it was, and they, they got, you know, they got no starting pitching. Those, you know, Mikolas was terrible for most of the season. Yeah. Um, Flaherty was wildly inconsistent that, you know, they did not get the pitching they thought they're going to get. That may have stemmed from kind of what was going on in the clubhouse, the whole Tyler O'Neill situation. Some players, I think definitely reacted to that, that that team should have been better than they were. And I'm yeah. glad to see they're aggressive in free agency because they need to rebuild it. Cause they, it's too good an organization to be sitting at 71 and 91 again. I agree. Um, but I do, I do think there could, there is an effect to what he did. Is it, was it a couple of games? Was it 10 games? Was it all 20 games? I don't know. But it definitely, there's definitely an effect to what he did. I agree. Uh, the next matchup we had was Derek Shelton of the Pirates against Mike Schmil- uh, Schilt, who just got the Padres job. So yeah. Shelton wins there. Um, and I agree with that anyways. Just because of yeah. what he did with that Pirates team early in the in the season, I mean, everyone expected the Pirates to finish last in that division. And, right. and they competed for a long stretch of time. So, yeah, for them there. He absolutely gets gets some credit there. And as we talked about with Schilt, this is a guy who doesn't really have a lot of pedigree in Major League Baseball. He coached high school baseball for 20 years. He was a third base coach for a couple of years. He was a consultant to a front office. Now he's a manager. Um, We know nothing about this guy in terms of his ability to manage or his grasp of Major League Baseball at that speed. Right. No idea what to expect. Yeah, well, you, it, that's just the Padres in general. It's not even just chill. Well, yeah, it's just Padres in general. And it's what it, and also when you look at the contract they gave him, it's a short contract, yeah. which tells me that either they don't have, you know, they're hedging their bets that it's not going to work out, or they're not sure what they're going to be, and they may have to tear this thing down. I, I think it's B. I think it's the latter. Yeah. I, I, you know, like I think they're going to see how he does. Well, it's a combo of both. Just what you said. Like they're going to see how he does. But I think the Padres are going to try to ditch all these contracts somehow. I mean, Soto's that 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 stove's heating up. Looks like yep. the Yankees might be the front runners right now, but that changes every twenty four hours. Um, so I don't know. I, the Padres are a mess. They went for broke and they busted hard. Oh, bad. And but, he's going to have to pick up the pieces somehow. But at the same time, if you're the Padres and you've got all those players and all that money. You're going to hire a guy who's got no managerial experience to take that over? Like, I guess. What, you're not going to go find somebody experienced to try to manage that team. You're going to say, hey, hey, dude, well, this, is, this is a hot mess with a lot of egos and money. Uh, you're brand new. Fix it. Well, I mean, they tried that with Bob Melvin, and it didn't work. No, it didn't. You're right. So maybe that's them saying that they have to go in a different direction. So, um, yeah. I thought Melvin I was know. the perfect fit for that team. Uh, we did too. Like we were really high on that oh. signing. We thought that would have been perfect and it just didn't work out. So whatever. Um, next matchup, we had Brian Snicker against Pat Murphy, the new manager for the Brewers. Don't really know much about him. So Snicker nope. obviously wins there. There's not a lot of managers that are going to beat Snicker anyways, but no. Uh, Craig Council of the Cubs, which is weird to say, <laughs> against uh, Carlos Mendoza of the Mets, and Council wins on a landslide there. Yeah, that's not competitive. Um, and then today, interesting vote here is we have Rob Thompson of the Phillies against David Bell of the Reds, 
and David Bell takes it. I think I think David Bell is a very good manager yeah. who's been lost in Cincinnati's rebuild. Um, I don't think Rob Thompson's a great manager. I think that team is okay. good, whether he's managing them or not. Fair. Um, but I do think that David Bell, I mean, you could argue David Bell should have been a higher up the manager of the year list than he was with what he dealt with, with all the new players and new faces and young players. And yeah, that, that was impressive what he did with that team. And then, you know, trying to harness a guy like Ellie De La Cruz. You know, he, he, it's fair point. It's not just a matter of like young talents. You got young talents with big personalities and different skill sets. And he's trying to bring that all together with at any real sample set of what they can do. You're doing it on the fly because you don't know these players. You haven't seen right. them up close for very long. It's not like he's a five year vet. You know what to expect. Yeah. Um, he was literally. It, it seemed like they had a new a new young guy up every couple of weeks, and they, he's trying to integrate. I think at one point they had seven starters that were all rookies. Yeah, I mean, it's just you're it's you're like, literally just rolling guys out there. That's like, oh, nice to meet you. Get out there. You're playing tonight. <laughs> yeah, and and they were there till the end, man. I, that yeah, Reds team's going to be good for the next few years. I, I'm excited to see what they become. Yeah, uh, I think I think year, David so. Bell did for the Reds last this past season what Terry Francona did for the Guardians the year before. Yes, which was take a young team, fit them together, learn on the fly, and get them playing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we'll release the second round matchups as you know, every, every day or so I release one or two. Um, so we'll have, I think I can't do the math quarterfinals or semifinals next Monday. Um, but it's been pretty cool. So thanks for your participation on that. Keep an eye out for those. I keep uh, rolling those out. So those are fun. It's been been fun to see the the votes, but also some of the comments. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We're going to move on to some trivia here. I got five trivia questions today. Um, So if you have any idea, you can throw it in the chat. Um, You can also answer them when we put them out on reels later on in the week. So here is the first one. Which player has the same amount of wins on the mound as he does base hits in his career? It's a wild stat. Yeah. So, so he's a he's a three hundred game winner. I'll give you that. Okay. So and is got, not and not modern era. Not modern era. He's got the same amount of base hits. It's crazy. That is crazy. So, so. three hundred game winners. What uh, what team? Braves. Braves. Okay. He's their all time franchise win leader. Yeah. So my immediately my mind goes to guys like Maddox. Right. But it wasn't Maddox. So all-time win leader would be Warren Spahn. Warren Spahn. Yeah, at 363. So he ended with 363 wins, 363 hits. So pretty wild. That's so wild. That's exactly the same. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Next one. Who is the last player to win a World Series MVP for a team he didn't originally play for at the start of the season? And as a Red Sox homer, I know the answer to this one because it's yeah. Steve Pierce in 2018 who yeah. came out of nowhere right. uh, against the Dodgers to kind of throw that team on his back. And uh, yeah, literally, he had probably the three best days of his entire career because yeah. he was out of baseball after that. Uh, yeah. and won an MVP. Yeah. So for our returning viewers, those questions were repeated from last week. We're just going to put them on uh, this week's show so we can break it into reels because, you know, if you've been following the last two weeks, we've had some technical difficulties. So 
Yeah. Those might have sounded familiar to people that listen to the show. Um, but just wanted to get the actual audio in there. So but those are still fun trivia questions. Those ones are crazy. Yeah. The Steve Pierce one is great. Like what a random question and what a yeah. what a random player. Like right. you think of the 2018 Red Sox and that was, you know, Mookie Betts was an absolute stud that year. JD Martinez, Chris Sale, like all those great players and your yeah. MVP of the World Series was Steve Pierce, who most yeah. people like who? And like we said, like, like David David Price should have been. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He wasn't. But yeah, David um, Price had the had like the only two weeks of his Red Sox career he was any good. I can't remember. I can't remember if Pierce started the year with Baltimore that year or Toronto. I think it was one of those two. I think. I feel like but, it was Baltimore, but yeah, it, he got he was a late season pickup. We're all like, they picked up. Why they pick this guy up? And then he ended up being absolutely clutch. Yeah, it was for insane. Three days in yeah. October that made all the difference. Okay. So here we go. Here's the next one. All right. Who is the only player to hit for the cycle? twice in the same season against the same team it happened in 2018 so i'll give you that clue yeah that is so crazy so two cycles against the same team in the same season yeah man oh man that is i mean how many guys have hit a cycle let alone twice in the same season and against the same team right so, so two, 2018 mvp MVP. Okay, so it's it's either it wasn't Mookie, so it's Yelich. Yeah, Christian Yelich, and he did it twenty days apart. Oh, jeez, even better. It was against the Cincinnati Reds. So he gets up, hits for the cycle, leaves that series, goes on a little mini road trip, <laughs> comes back and does it again. Three weeks later, does it again? Yeah, crazy. But yeah, Yelich's year in two thousand eighteen was silly. That was a crazy oh, campaign. Man. That was wild. He and Mookie had ridiculous seasons. Yeah. All right, this one's really cool, too. So here's the next one. Brian Moran of the Marlins notched his first career strikeout, and it caused a lot of fanfare fanfare around the league. Why was this strikeout so unique? And this one I honestly don't know, but I feel like, is this one of like the sibling situations, like he struck out a brother or somebody? He did. He, okay. struck, he struck out Colin Moran, his brother. And for his first career strikeout, I remember watching the highlights of this and how cool it was. They showed the parents yeah. and, the, and the the whole at bat because, like, um, I remember when the Will Smith when those was the Smith brothers faced off against each other. The Contreras you had the Contreras brothers against each other, but never with anyone on the mound. Right. Um, it, it's just that's such a cool yeah, the, such a cool stuff. Um, the Nola brothers did it in the playoffs. Oh, that's right. The Nola's in the playoffs. Yep. Yeah. So that was that was pretty cool. That was his first career strikeout, dude. Like. I would have that thing over oh, man. over the fireplace in the mantle, so my brother saw it every time he came home for Christmas. Oh my goodness, yes! Like, it, I would I would bring it to every family event. Yeah, and just sit it on your <laughs> placemat. So great. You recognize um, this ball? <laughs> it has your signature on it because they forced you to sign it. Yeah, that's that is amazing. So but cool. also, but how cool that like here you are in the major leagues facing your brother. Like the odds of one family member making it to major league baseball is incredibly slim, right. but two. Yeah, I mean, then you have the Molinas with three, but right. still, bro, siblings in the major league in major leagues—that's nuts. Yeah. I mean, we had kind of talked about that a few weeks ago. It might have been one of our live shows when we yeah. were watching about the amount of brothers that are actually in the league now. Like, there's there's, like there's quite seven or eight of them, right? Yeah, if not more. But 
Because I mean, Acuna's brother's close. He's probably going to be up yeah, next year. You got. I mean, there's a lot out there. So yeah, it's wild. It's kind of cool. But imagine like you're making your major league debut. You're like on the mound, and your brother steps into the batter's box. Yeah, and you K him. So. That's you want to ask the umpire for wiffle ball? Can I get a wiffle ball? We'll go backyard yeah. style here. Yeah, right. So cool. All right, last one I have for this week. Can you name the first two players in Major League Baseball history to have five seasons of 30-30? 30, 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases. That's bananas. That the to first five two, seasons of 30-30. Yeah, the first two to do it in five seasons. So immediately my, my, my brain goes to Barry Bonds because we so, know how many 30-30 seasons that guy ripped off. Yep. Um, so it's a close link is the hint yeah. I'll give you this one. So I immediately go to Willie Mays being the being the uncle. The godfather. The, sorry, the godfather uncle. and uncle. Yeah, godfather. Yeah, it's not Willie Mays. It's not Willie Mays. So then a close relation, the only other one would be his father, Bobby Bonds. Yeah, and that's what it is. It's Bobby and Barry Bonds. Which the irony of it is that Bobby Bonds was was a good baseball player. But when right. you talk about the when you talk about Barry Bonds, you almost always talk about Willie Mays and kind of forget right. about Bobby Bonds. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. But I thought that one was pretty cool too. That's a wicked cool stat. Yeah. First two players, five seasons of 30-30, and it's father-son. Pretty cool. Yeah, and Bobby Bonds, who really gets very little notoriety and is completely overshadowed by his kid. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's so. like, you know, I remember the days of uh, Ken Griffey Jr. playing the outfield with his dad. You know, Ken right. Griffey's in center. Or, sorry, Ken Griffey Jr. is in center. Dad, Ken Griffey Sr. is in left. You know, they're playing side-by-side. Side. Like, how wild right. is that? Yeah, and it was cool. Was it that clip that like Griffey comes yeah. over and steals it from his cuts dad. in front of him and takes it away from him and laughs yeah. his way back to the dugout? Yeah, like how just it's um, it's amazing to think that the odds of getting there are so slim, but to do that with a father, a sibling, if some kind of relative is just so crazy to think. Yeah, so it's cool. All right, uh, I did not put out a rounding third question this week with me putting out like the manager polls and all of that stuff. So um, just you know, slacked in that department. So sorry, but uh, we're going to head home here and wrap up some of the other news around the league. Um, the United Baseball League, which we talked about a few weeks ago um, with all these like ex major league baseball players going to the Middle East and India to play in this league um, started this week. Bartolo Colon went out and started and had a, decent stat line i mean the guy's 50 and he's still out there playing um but the most interesting part of this is the money ball situation (laughs) so i i don't know the exact rules or when it can come out but a team can call for a money ball and it's literally a gold baseball and it's either for that at bat or that inning or whatever they play with that gold baseball so Pablo Sandoval hit a six-run home run in that game to break a two-two tie to make it eight to two. I love, and I love the fact that they were they were making a big deal out of the fact that it was a worldwide record because he has, he hit the first ever six-run home run in baseball history. It's like, I mean, they're not wrong. No, but it's like a completely made-up thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's like. You had a six run. There's only four. There's only three bases in a batter, guys. Like there's no six. There's no five runner five and six out there. But right. <laughs> but yeah, it was a worldwide record. Nobody's ever hit a six run home run before. Well, no kidding. They can't. I'm, I'm waiting for them to play it. Like you remember, like Matt Ball and Jim, where you could just have oh, as many goodness. people on one base as oh, possibly. Like, love it. I'm wait. I'm waiting for that to happen. You got like four runners on second base. 
Yeah, or you can you know you can play everything. Everything's live, so like you can bounce it off the freaking the bleachers and come and still play it. And right, yeah, so crazy. A six run homer. So wild. I mean, a little bit, a little bit gimmicky. Um, I haven't seen a I've seen a game yet, but uh, I'd, I'd love to watch one. Sit down and watch one one day and just see what it's all about there. But yeah, yeah. I just and then thought did that you was pretty did you see the video of Bartolo Colon having his one two three inning against? Uh, it was Robinson Cano, D.D. Gregorius, and I forget the third player, but he had a – oh, it was uh, Alejandro de Aza. Yeah. So 50-year-old Bartolo Galone in his first inning of pitching got Robinson Cano, Alejandro de Aza, and D.D. Gregorius, one, two, three, yeah. at 50 years old. And I want to say he topped out at, like, was it 86, 85? Like, yeah, something like that. For a 50-year-old guy, I mean, holy cow. Yeah. And it was cool. I think uh, Gregorius, I think, flew out to the warning track. And as he was coming back in, Bartolo just like hit the weights, dude. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, this literally, it, this is men's soft. This is men's baseball. This is like the men's yeah. league that we'd all play in, just yeah. for former major leaguers. Yeah. It's absolutely awesome. I love it. They are, they are joking and laughing and like goofing off a little bit. And it's, it seems like it's lighthearted, fun baseball. Yeah. I've not watched yet like you, but I'm at the point now where I feel like I have to. Yeah. I got to find it somewhere. It seems so interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the last thing I have, uh, Zach Britton has officially retired. Um, kind of knew it was coming. He's had a lot of arm troubles oh, the past few years. I mean, really his old cold career, you know, yeah, minus a few constant. dominant years. Um, but, I mean, that was a dude when he got on the mound, you're like, yeah, this, it's lights out. It's game over. Um for the Orioles and the Yankees there. Like yeah. that stretch there. Yeah. He was not, not long for the Yankees, but for a little while. Yeah. But it, yeah. it's really when, when he went to New York, it seemed like that's when his problems just turned, they turned up. Yeah. Like it got worse. Well, just like every injury problem with New York. So I was just going to say like everything with the Yankees is guys go there and they get hurt, but yeah. You know, what, are you, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, and then I do, I do have Mike Schilt. Obviously, we kind of touched on him earlier, introduced as the the Padres manager, beating out Ryan Flaherty, which we were kind of pulling for, um, being a main boy. Um, we were really hoping that Ryan Flaherty would have gotten that, but I think Flaherty's going to get his chance. He's been he in that organization for a few years. Uh, he's getting his feet wet. He's he's going to be in there. So, um, yep. So, yeah, he's yeah. he's been there. He's done a good job where he's been. He'll he'll get his shot. I mean, it'd be nice. You know, you got Sam Fold from New Hampshire, who's in a front office. You got Ryan Flaherty, who's bound to get a managerial job. It's good to see, you know, Northern New England, Maine, New Hampshire have some some serious representation. Yeah, in Major League Baseball. Absolutely. So that is all I had. I know it's a nice quick show, but that's all I had for this week. Do you have anything uh, to add? For news uh, this just just a couple of small things. So, uh, I Imanaga just to remind people, he was the guy who won, uh, who was the he was the winner in the World Baseball Classic final against okay. the U.S. for Japan. So that's where we've seen him before. He was pretty lights out in that uh in that whole thing. Yeah. Um, and then one other thing I'll add is that there's been a lot of talk about Joey Votto, and apparently Joey Votto is open to talking to other clubs. He is 40. Really? He He's not closing the door on his career, but he's also not willing to just go be a bench player either. So he's, it looks like, it looks like Joey Votto is open to talking to teams that need, you know, a first baseman for a season or so. 
He doesn't want to hang him up just yet, but he's not just going to go anywhere. So I think it's good to hear that Joey Votto is open to another opportunity, but he's not just going to take anything that comes at him. If there's a good one, he'll take it. If there's not, he's going to retire. Um, I just hope MLB finds a way to bring him in and keep him around. I agree. It's that's interesting, right? Because Joey Votto, if he does go somewhere, he obviously wants to play, right? Absolutely. And he thinks but he still can, but which I think, I think he can. I mean, he, had an injury shortened season and still hit almost 20 home runs, I think. So, I mean, but does he want to go to a contender or does he want to play? Like that's another kind of slippery slope because you're like, there's not many teams that have a first base spot open that is a contender. Right. You know what I mean? Like if you want to go and play, like chances are you could go to the pirates. You could go to the sure. Yeah. You can Royals. You go to the Rockies, like something like that, but there's not many teams that are contenders that need a first baseman at this point. Yeah. One interesting team that popped up and, and obviously this is all speculation at this point. It's all rumor mill, but one interesting team that popped up is the blue Jays. Um, You know, he could DH there. Yep. He could swap in and out and give uh, give Guerrero Jr. a, a break. Uh, he's from there, so there's certainly interest mm. for him to, to him to go back there. So there's, I, I think for him, you know, an ideal situation might be to go to like Toronto for a year, go home, play one more year, you know, on a team that should be good again. They they should be playoff bound. Yeah, um, doesn't mean they're going to win anything in the playoffs because they historically don't. But it'd be nice to see him do something meaningful versus go slog it out in Kansas city for a year, just for the hell of it. Like, yeah, he would look good in those baby blue, blue Jays too. And he'd be so good for that team. You know, you want to talk about, you know, you got some interesting personalities and kind of a weird vibe. He would be so good for that clubhouse, that organization, that fan base. Toronto is always one of those teams that is like, they, they tease you with the talent. You think they're going to be good. They don't draw. They don't always draw great in Toronto. It, I feel like he'd fill some holes for them. And if they can get him for what he's probably worth, you know, eight to 10 million bucks a year, he'll probably sell enough tickets to offset his cost. I'd go in a heartbeat. Like I was, like I've said it before, I was so heartbroken when I went to Cincinnati and he was on the shelf. I was like, yeah, he's the one guy I wanted to see. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I hope for his sake, not even his sake, the MLB's sake, that they find a way to keep this dude. Yep. involved in the game somehow. What if that's what Joey Votto wants? If Joey Votto doesn't want that, then whatever. Like, thanks for the memories. But the yep. way this guy deals with his fan interactions, the way he embraces the game, loves the game, the way he plays the game, um, it's it's how every Major League Baseball player should strive to be. Yeah, uh, It's just absolutely amazing. It's going to be heartbreaking to see if he doesn't come back um, it will be weird to see him out of another uniform other than it the Reds. Will be strange. <laughs> but if he's on the Blue Jays and I get to watch him every night, I'd be all set with that as well. Yeah. So, you know, obviously he's out with the Reds. There's no there's there's been no conversation to bring him back. The Reds are like, no, we we got no spot for you. Sorry, Joey. He wants to play another year for the right situation. He will. Toronto's one that's emerged, but I'll I'll be curious to see what what becomes of him. But it's it's just good to hear the fact that he's not necessarily saying I'm done, but yeah. he's not just going to go anywhere either. Because that it'd be a shame to see that guy go out, you know, somewhere terrible. Yeah, 
I mean, we knew that they weren't going to pick up his $20 million option for next year. For his I mean, age 41 season, no. No, I mean, $20 million is ridiculous. Yeah. But I were I was hoping that they were going to, like, not tender it and then just offer him, like, a 5 or $6 million deal to come back for a year. Yeah. Like, that's what I was ultimately hoping for. Doesn't sound like that's going to happen, but... And I don't... Um, I don't know why with that young team, you wouldn't want that veteran presence to come back again, even if he's, you know, so yeah, give him five, six million bucks. You paid him eight million bucks in a buyout. You're still going to save five or six million dollars for Joey Votto next year between the buyout and the new salary. Right. And you get to hang on to him and have him be part of that, of that rebuild. But right. You know, I, I think the Reds see it as well. We'd rather get more young guys, more at bats and we'll take our chances, which is fair. So, but, so yeah, so yeah. It, it's, you know, I, I guess the the main point here is that Joey Votto certainly is open, which is good to hear. Yeah. We'll see what that means. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. So, all right. Anything else for this week? That is it. It's okay. a quiet week. I, I, I'm really curious to see what the next domino is to fall. I really, I did not suspect there'd be Nola and Sonny Gray to be the first to sign. They make sense, but I did yeah. not see them signing early. I mean... If you look at it, they kind of are, I mean, other than Yamamoto, obviously, probably, you know, two of the five, two of the top five starting pitchers yep. available. So it kind of doesn't surprise me because they kind of set the market, right? Because Otani's market for starting pitching, he doesn't, he's in a, his own market. Yeah, he's in a different category. Like, so it kind of doesn't surprise me that they, um, that they waited now the hitters, that's kind of different, right? Because you can kind of go off what Otani gets as a hitter, sort of. Kind of, sort of, yeah. You know, um, and we don't, we have no idea what Otani's contract structure is even going to look like. No, it's a weird dynamic because everybody's waiting for that shoe to drop. Nobody knows what to expect, what it's going to look like. Everybody knows it's going to be bananas, but it's not comparable to anybody else. It's not like if he gets fifty million bucks a year, that all of a sudden Sonny Gray should get fifty million bucks a year. Right. It's just, it you know, you can't compare him to anybody because what he does is different. Right. And he's not even going to be doing it next year. Yeah, or true. maybe even half of 25. We don't know when he's yeah. going to be able to come back, if he's even going to pitch again. This is the yeah. second Tommy John, so we'll see. And it's it's um, it's setting that market's going to be hard because what you're buying is a DH. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's not, as we've seen, that's not a super valuable position yeah. because Otani's shown that he does not have a lot of defensive ability. Like, he's just not, not a good outfielder. And Honestly, if a guy's going to pitch to you, don't want him running around in right field. You want him no. just hitting. So you're getting you're getting a DH, which is not a high value position, with the chance he could pitch, which is a very high high value position. And setting that market is going to be hard. Somebody's going to have to just go right. out there and throw something at him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's especially no, with... there's no comparable to set that market. It's just gonna it's going to be its own thing. No, and especially with it being so quiet is. I bet there's teams, I mean, I'm sure they know about what it's going to take to, to get him, but we have no clue. Like no. we're sitting here and we're, we're lost. Like what do the years look like? What do the figures look like? What does the yearly salary look like? Right. He's not going to pitch for a year and a half. Like, well, and there's, there's been talks that Otani isn't necessarily open to a long-term contract. He may want to go shorter with a higher annual value. Versus going longer with lower annual value. So you look at a guy like Xander Bogarts who signs an 11-year deal at what we thought was a low annual value, but he got all those years. Right. Otani's saying, I don't necessarily want that. I want what I'm worth. And right. if I've got to sign a shorter-term contract to do it, I will. Yeah. 
So it's really, it, I think he's going to dictate a lot of how that turns out. And it's going to be how, you know, he's going to be more valuable in three years than he probably is today because he's going to be over the injury. He may just be looking for a two or three year contract, knowing he can go back out and get paid again. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, whatever happens, but, and I'm here for it. I, I can't wait because yeah. the internet might break when he signs. Like it is yeah, going to he, be. He's a Boris client, right? I would almost imagine. I, I would mean, assume he's, so. He's got everybody, right? Uh, oh, no. <laughs> Otani's agent is Nez Baleo. Okay. No clue. Not a clue. So, okay. Never mind. Well, that guy's going to make millions of dollars off this one deal. So I guess he can retire after this too. So, Oh, well, he's considered a sports super agent. His, he, his clients include Shohei Otani, Sandy Alcantara, uh, Ryan Braun, Adam Jones, Andre Ethier. Okay. So, I mean, he's, he he's has been he's around. represented some pretty big name guys. Yeah. So he's been around. Nice. So yeah, this is not, this is not like some brand new agent. This is a guy that's got a history. He's just, you know, he's not Scott Boris, but he's got a history. Right. He knows his way around the league. So yeah, he's not yeah. a, he's not a fresh off the turnip truck. No. So yeah. All right. Like we said, we will keep everybody posted as all of this craziness starts to unfold. Hopefully here in the next couple of weeks, um, keep an eye out for the manager's bracket round two. That will be out this week. Um, like I said, I'm actually going to put out a full bracket so you can see the names, how they're going to match up, um, in the final rounds here. Um, and then you guys can go on and vote for that and follow the bracket live as as we're voting for it, uh, which would be pretty cool. Um, and we'll see who our viewers think is the best current manager out there right now. So it's going to get tough towards the end. There's going to be some really I, hard decisions to make. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So thanks for watching. Um, before you go, just make sure you hit that like, that subscribe button. You can follow us on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube. You can also listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can share our podcast, share our reels. You can send us messages, posts, tag us in posts, whatever you guys want to do. You can interact with us. Um, we're pretty responsive on your comments and stuff. So uh, we love that interaction. So keep it up. Thanks for your support. And we will see you guys again next Monday at 8 p.m. Yep. See ya.